Blog Talk Radio. And looked up to and 
and one of the favorite, my favorite players of all time. And I remember he came out uh, last, of course. Uh, he usually waits for all the other guys to do the interviews and then, of course, uh, wait for any media that may be there to clear out if they're just tired of waiting on him. But he comes in, he sits down, um, and he asks me to say, hey, come on over and ask your questions. And I did this great interview with Kobe. And uh, one-on-one, just me and him, I had my tape recorder, and my, my dad, Royce Fisher, who you guys have heard before, had the camera. And um, so I'm thinking, like, man, I got this great interview with Kobe, one-on-one. This is going to be great. This is a way to really get my foot in the door. Bam, I got my first big star interview. And uh, went back and looked at the tape, and lo and behold, uh, you can see Kobe pretty well. You can hear me okay, too. But you just can't see me in the shot. <laughs> I mean, it's like I wasn't even there. I mean, you can hear my voice, but you can't see me at all. Uh, so me and my dad still joke about that to this day, how I had my first chance to go one-on-one before anybody, just me and him, and uh, couldn't get into the shot. So uh, we'll post it up on the website, antsgame.com, so you get a chance to check that out. I want to start this quickly with a quick interview from Kobe Bryant uh, with the uh, legendary announcer, broadcaster for the Lakers, Chick Hearn, uh, who interviewed Kobe uh, basically in his rookie year when he's going to get ready for his first start ever in the NBA. So here's Kobe Bryant talking about his first start in the NBA with the legendary Laker uh, announcer, Chick Hearn. Well, he might be only 18 years and five months old, but this guy can do everything that the veterans can do and do it better, perhaps. Kobe Bryant, last night you get your first start as a pro. How'd it feel? Yeah, it felt good. It felt good, you know, going out you know, for the starting lineup. You know, I tried to keep keep a straight face and keep a serious look, but, you know, I couldn't help but cracking a little smile. Do you get a little feel of palpitation? Sure. Sure. sure because, I mean, you're so excited to get out there to being in the game, and I haven't done that since since high school. Right, right. So I, I naturally get excited. Speaking of high school, how big was the gym you played in at Marion? How many people? Uh, About 500 people. 500? About 500 people. This seat's 26,000. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> the last time we were here, you played, I think, about six minutes. I was looking right. at the box score. didn't get in. It was garbage time when you got in. Now tonight, you're being in the real time. What's the difference? Well, the difference is you have to make a contribution early on. You know, you have to go in there and... Uh, you know, produce right away and uh, get the ball into the big fella, get Eddie some looks. And, you know, whereas when I got in there to, uh, within the garbage time or the bench, you know, I really didn't have to produce. I didn't, didn't have, have all the pressure on me. You, know. you had to produce Sunday, though, at Seattle. That was a tough game, pressure-packed. You were in in the final minutes, and that bank shot you made from about 18 feet was a beautiful shot. Thank you very much. That uh, might have won the game. <laughs> really? Thank you. Thank you. I, I got put in that situation. You know, I was thankful for getting put in that situation. I, that once I was in there, I had to go in there and respond. Do you like pressure? That's why you averaged 31 in high school, 12 <laughs> rebounds and so forth. Made 50 points a couple of times in a game. <laughs> I guess so. You ran the show. Yeah, well, in high school I had to. Did you have a big center? I was a center. You were the I center? Was, I was a Shaquille O'Neal, Lower Mary High School. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, blocking shots, pushing the break, you know, passing the ball and so forth. You remind me a lot of magic in many ways. When he gets a chance to flourish, put on a little show for the fans. You do it at the end of a play. Why not? Sure, why not? I mean, it's there. Might as well give the fans something they can enjoy. Right. Absolutely right. Has magic ever counseled you, ever told you anything about the game? 
Um, not really. We really had a really had the opportunity to talk so far this season, but you know, I'm definitely looking forward to having some conversation with him. I know you've had a lot of conversations with Jerry West. I don't know if you know how good he was as a player, but he was as good as that ever played the position. Has he ever talked to you? Sure. Oh, we've talked many times, whether it was coming off a screen or a jump shot or, you know, handling the ball in certain situations. Well, we've talked many times. What about Shaq? I mean, Shaq talks every day. Every day. Whether it's in practice and he's blocking one of my shots or I'm getting a layup on him or something like that. You know, we're talking, we're giving advice to one another, we're pumping each other up at the same time. He really, really is a nice man. Yeah, he is. He's like my older brother. You have an older brother? Just kill on them. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. We'll- and the Lakers. And that, was, uh, that was uh, Kobe Bryant with uh, Chick Hearn in his interview about his first uh, start as an L.A. Laker. And interesting about the interview to me is, is he talks about Shaq as his big brother. We all know kind of how that uh, feud kind of between those two, they kind of broke them apart after winning three titles together. Um, but he also talks about, you know, even at a young age, at only – uh, 19 at the time, um, he was just so so real wrapped up in basketball. I mean, the man loved basketball. As some of you have read his uh, letter that he wrote on the Players Tribune about you know about basketball. Uh, interesting enough, he plays center. I guess I guess when you're that tall uh, at Lower Marion High School, you you pretty much play every position as good as he was. You know, if you look at his career uh, highlights, this is this is career overall. He's third in points um, currently, but he's also third in field goal attempts and first in field goals missed. So people can debate all they want about Jordan being better, uh, Kobe being better, wherever he ranks, but he may be one of the all-time greats in terms of shot takers. I mean, he's he's missed more shots than anybody ever in the NBA, yet he's third in points. That shows me that there's a guy that has the intensity, that has the mindset to always go out and try to put his best foot forward, no matter what, no matter what he's doing, no matter what kind of off night he's having. Um, he's going to go ahead and put everything on his back to get those get those points and try to help out his team as much as possible. Um, so that, that I thought that was big, to be first, all time in field goals missed, but yet third um, in points is a big deal. He's also first, of course, in three-point field goal attempts, although he's not the best three-point shooter uh, ever, but he's also third in field goal and three-point field goals made. He's a five-time NBA champion. He's had seven NBA Finals appearances, uh, two NBA Finals MVPs, um, he's also got one overall league MVP that was in 2008, a great year for him. Uh, he's a two-time scoring champion, both in 06 and 07, a seven-time NBA All-Star, a four-time NBA All-Star Game MVP, uh, 15-time All-NBA Team Selection. Of course, he was 12-time All-Defensive Team, NBA All-Rookie Team, slam dunk champion in 97 when he came in the league. He's been player of the month 17 times. Uh, he's won two SB awards, the best player in the NBA. Uh, he's had the second most points in any game, the 81-point game in 2006 against the Toronto Raptors. Um, he's won gold medals. I mean, the guy's had a great career, an, an awesome career. And then he spends 20 years with the same team, the only player in NBA history to spend 
that long or that amount of time with only one team uh, ever in his career. And, and that right there makes him the greatest Laker, in my opinion, uh, than anyone. I mean, you could put anyone in that category. Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Will Chamberlain, Magic Johnson. We know they've got had great players there. Shaquille O'Neal. But Kobe is the greatest Laker. Um, you can debate where he fits in the top three or top five. Uh, that could change, you know, just depending on what criteria you want to use. But nothing could take away his accomplishments, what he's done, and, and everything that he's meant to the to the game. You know, the LA Times put out a really good piece on his top ten moments um, throughout his career, and I, I kind of go through them really quickly. But number ten, they had um, the two free throws that he made with his Achilles tendon torn in that Golden State game. That was in April 2013. Tore the Achilles tendon, still got up, made two free throws, and that's what gave them the win in that game. I mean, shooting free throws or doing anything with a torn Achilles is incredible. It just shows his will and determination to win. Uh, in the number nine, they had his Olympic gold medal for Spain in 2008, which, was, again, was his MVP year. Um, and number eight, they have the Game 7 NBA Finals against Boston where he wanted it so badly, uh, but he couldn't shoot straight, and he didn't. So he only made six of 24 shots in the field, but had 15 rebounds. And, of course, that big pass to Metal World Peace for that three-point basket. Seven, he got four consecutive games of 50-plus points. That was an 07. That was huge. Um, number six, they have his two-overtime victory against Portland. Um, in April of 2004, number five, they have his 1997 Game 5 air balls versus Utah. He was 18 years old at the time, and I, I remember that because the Western Conference semifinals and the guy shoots, you know, five air balls. So, so that, was a big, that was a big kind of moment for him to kind of get that wake-up call, like, hey, you know what, I'm in the NBA. This is the way things are going to be. Nothing's going to be easy. And then you look at where they have uh, for number four, which I thought was interesting, was his game four of the NBA Finals versus the Indiana Pacers. That was in 2000s. Um, Shaquille O'Neal had fouled out that game, and Bryant went on to carry the Lakers to finish and would take that 3-1 series lead, which was huge. Um, and, and then you had um, number three was the game seven Western Conference Finals against Portland. And then number two, um, this is interesting because I was at this game. December 20th, 2005, Kobe Bryant scored 62, and the Dallas Mavericks scored 61. And I was with my uh, wife at the time, my, my wife now. I say wife at the time, my wife now. We were sitting in the stands of that game, and I'm going crazy. You know, I, I – yeah, a month before, a month later, he went for 81. But this 62, outscoring a, a team in, in thir- three quarters, and I really felt like he could have broke 100 that game. I mean, he was on fire. He was hitting shots from everywhere, no matter who tried to guard him, no matter who tried to jump up with him. There was no way they were blocking his shots. I mean, no way. I said in the stands, I was mesmerized that game. Um, that That was huge. And, of course, number one has to be his 81-point game against Toronto. I found this interview, a very rare interview that Kobe Bryant did that talked about not only that 81-point game, 
But I didn't notice, but when he was eight years old, he scored 63 in a game. So here's Kobe Bryant talking about the 81 points and the 63 points when he was only eight years old. Moments from your career. Eight years old in a game, how many points did you score? 63. How? Like, technically how? I mean, how, I, at eight years old, how do you score? Well, I, f- I figured out that most kids that are right-handed can't go left. You know what I mean? So I just sit on their right hand. I got, like, steal after steal after steal. I mean, that's really how it happened. I, I just pressured the backcourt as soon as the kid started dribbling the ball. I'd jump right in his right hand, and then he'd, I'd take it from him and lay it up, take it from him, lay it up, <laughs> It up, and it just went on, and there was nothing they could do about it. And do you remember that? Oh I mean, yeah. You, oh, you do. Oh yeah. What did anything that sticks out? No, I mean that just the fact that I scored sixty-three points. I mean, my teammates were all just going crazy about it after the game. It was, it was, it was fun. And then you know, we had the finals the next night, and I had a forty-point game the next game, doing the same thing. My father always told me, he "said Son, you got to be able to use both hands. <laughs> got to be able to use both hands at an early age," and I and I could. The 81-point game in the NBA, 81 points in a single game. What sticks out for you from that game? Um, probably the fact that I had pepperoni pizza the night before the game. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that common or is that <laughs> no? It's not common at all. I was just kind of craving a pepperoni pizza and I had one. Um, Start a trend? <laughs> no, I hope yeah. not. Don't I hope they don't follow that lead. The, the day that I actually scored 81 was my grandfather's birthday, who had passed away a few years before. And my grandmother, who had never seen me play in the NBA, just because her nerves can't take it, she uh, flew out to California, and she came to watch me play uh, for the first time and the only time. And, uh, and that just so happened to be the, the night I scored 81. What was that like for you with having your grandmother the first and only time sitting in the stands watching? It was really special for me. I mean, my, my grandmother was, has always been there for me. We're Out of the family, we're probably the most similar uh, personality. So um, it was really, really special. I mean, she was one of these grandmothers who, you know, I would play like eight games a day in the summertime with, with different summer leagues and stuff like that. And she'd be like, Boy, you need to slow down. You know, you're getting too tired. You're exhausted. You know, it's one of those grandmas who's really caregiving, you know, and just a, just a caretaker. So for her to be there at the Staples Center to watch me play at this ultimate level after seeing me play for so many years, you know, in high school and summer league was, was special. So those 81 points in a single game, second, you know, in history only to Wilt Chamberlain. It should be pointed out even Michael Jordan only had – 69 points in the game, and he needed overtime to get to that point. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, yeah. 55 points in the game is what he tops out at, and you had that in the second half of that game alone. When you're in the zone like that, how do you know? Yeah, it's funny. It's it's, uh, it's a strange feeling because you know you're in the zone, but you can't afford to allow yourself to know you're in the zone because once you do, then you lose it. You know, because being in that moment is all about being in that moment and not letting anything else in into your mind emotionally or psychologically. And you just continue to go and go and go. And, you know, for me as a player, you know, when I get hot, I mean, I get blistering hot. And it's something that I just had to kind of keep going and not take my mind or focus, let my focus shift to something else. What's different about it, though? I mean, when you're in the zone like that relative to 
an average game. Oh, it's such a sense of calmness and focus. And it's almost a almost a sense of desperation where nothing else matters. No, nothing, nothing. No, nobody talking to you. you know, not a fan sitting over here. Not nothing is relevant. Um, the only thing that's important is the moment that you're in, and, and, and it's tough to find that space on a consistent basis. But you know, it's, uh, I think that's what makes sports so compelling. I, I read somewhere after that game that you said it actually slowed down for you. Yeah. Uh, how so? Well, just uh, because of the fact that you know I was so hot shooting the ball, um, now I can pick and choose whatever I did out there on the floor. You know, so it's almost like the defense was at my mercy, and because of that, I could anticipate everything that was going on because I was dictating everything that was going on because I was so hot, and so it kind of gives that feeling that everything slows down. All right, there was Kobe Bryant talking about how. One person goes about scoring 81 points in the NBA, but even more impressive, as I mentioned, uh, scoring 63 at age eight in the game because he realized that most guys are right-handed, and he was already ambidextrous with his ball handling skills. So impressive. Um, What else can you say about scoring 81 points in the game? We'll end the uh, Kobe Bryant discussion with, of course, his announcement about retirement and and what he had to say after that Indiana Pacers game. And here's what Kobe had to say uh, the other night about retiring and why he made this decision and how he knew it was time to give it up. Kobe, can you you talk about when exactly did you make up your mind to officially retire and how draining has this whole process been on you today, knowing that the announcement was made uh, earlier today and you had to play a game tonight? I mean, you know, I've, I've known for a while, right? And I've always said, you know, if anything changes, you know, then you know, I'll change my mind. But, you know, the, the problem became for me, it's, uh, you know, what, did, what does that really mean? I mean, a decision like this, you can't allow, you can't make that decision based on, you know, outside circumstances. I mean, it has to be an internal decision. And, and finally, I just had to just accept the fact that I just, I, I don't want to do this <laughs> anymore, you know, it's, it's, and I'm okay with that. And, uh, you know, once I um, accepted that, then it became time to just let everybody know. I mean, why not? I mean, it's just, you know, it takes a load off my shoulders and everybody else's, and uh, I think mean, it's just the right thing to do. Were you emotionally drained tonight? No, not really. I mean, I, you know, I was, you know, it's the first time playing it back-to-back, so I was a little drained for other reasons, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but, no, I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I, I honestly feel good about it. I really do. I mean, I really feel at peace with it and, um, um, you know, excited for what's to come, honestly. Kobe, with all you've accomplished, what's the hardest part about retiring? Honestly, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's tough to say now. Um, you know, I think that question becomes a lot easier to answer when training camp comes around next year. And, you know, I'm not there. You know, I think that becomes a question that's a little bit easier to answer. Um, but, but but right now, I, I honestly feel really at peace with it, you know. And, uh, I've, I've man, I've worked so hard. I work really, really hard to try not to play like crap. And, you know, I just do everything I possibly can. And, and I feel good about that. Well, you didn't want this aerial tour. 
now that you've announced it or you've accepted it, especially starting back at home? <laughs> this is extremely uncomfortable for me. I mean, I, 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 you know, for me, it's uh, I, I, the amount of respect that I have you know, for the fans on the road. Um, I honestly, um, you know, if anything, um, should be thanking them. And um, and uh, I think uh, just the mutual, uh, to show a mutual appreciation and respect for each other to me is is, is enough. Um, but I really can't thank the fans enough, man. I mean, it, it's been such a, a motivator for me and such a catalyst for everything that I've accomplished. So um, I have so much respect and love for them. It's going to be beautiful. Um, it's going to be beautiful. I mean, I, you know, yeah. Um, so much of my game is was developed in Philadelphia, and uh, you know, Lower Marion High School with Coach Downer and playing in the Sunny Hill League, and you know, so many of the great coaches playing at Tustin Playground and Ardmore Playground and all these things, and. Um, just so many, so many great memories there, and, and it's, um, it's going to be a very, very special moment. So did you come into this season thinking that this could be it and that you wanted to see you could kind of talk yeah. yourself out of it? Or? Right, that's a good way to put it. You know, because, I mean, I, I really knew. I mean, I, I think you guys could tell. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, I, this is it. But it's something that, you know, and, and I don't think you make a decision that way. You really have to look inside. I mean, if it's something that if I had a burning desire to continue to play, I would. You know, I wouldn't be second-guessing it. I wouldn't be um, on the fence. I feel very solid in, uh, in my decision. What did you know that this is it? Excuse me? What told you that this is it? Well, I don't, I don't want to get too, uh, uh, too zen-like on you guys, but, but honestly, you know, in sitting and, and meditation for me, uh, my mind starts drifting. It always drifted towards basketball, always. Always. Yeah, it doesn't do that now. It does that sometimes. It doesn't do that all the time. And to me, that was really the first indicator that, you know, I, this game is not something that I can obsess over for much longer. Kobe, did you consider um, retiring now as opposed to going through the whole rest of the season? No, because there's, there's so much beauty in the pain of this thing. <laughs> you know, and, and, it, and it sounds really weird to say that, but it's... Um, I appreciate the really, really tough times as much as I appreciate the great times. And it's important to go through that progression because I think that's where you really learn um, about the self. And so there's nothing I love more than be able to play this entire season, um, to go through all of these tough, tough, tough times, um, to be able to suit up and play on the road and play in these buildings for the last time. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And that was Kobe Bryant talking about why make the decision now to retire. A couple of things that, you know, came out of that that just want to point out quickly. One, you know, when he talked about how he always meditates and says focus on basketball. I mean, if you listen to that, that interview and listen to that first interview I played with him and Chick Hearn, when he says something like, hey, my mind is drifting away from basketball, I'm thinking about other things. As a clear-cut sign um, that I think he's made the right decision. Because anytime you mentally take yourself out of it, you know, the physical thing is one thing. We knew physically Kobe Bryant could not be the same guy he was in 2008. Um, he, he couldn't do the 81-point games anymore. We knew that physically. But mentally, when he's out of it, when he's not all the way in, 
that's got to be the most painful part about it. That's how he has to really know that it's time. You heard him talking about going to Philadelphia that's coming up this week, uh, a big game, of course, for him to go back to his roots and play against the 76ers who really uh, haven't won a game. So uh, it should be an interesting matchup between two bad teams. But, again, Kobe Bryant coming back, and I expect him to get a hero's welcome when he goes on that floor in Philadelphia. And then, you know, he he talked about everything from going and playing out this entire season and how much, you know, it means a lot to go through the hardships just as much as it means to go through the good things. So a lot of life lessons to learn from Kobe Bryant and what he said in that interview. Before we end this podcast today, we'll talk a little bit about Kevin Durant and Paul George, both of them named Players of the Week. Paul George is putting on a, a clinic this past week. He seems like he's overcome his injuries. He's ready to work. Kevin Durant, you know, comes back from his injury and, and already named player of the week, tells you exactly what kind of mind frame he's in. He has some interesting things to say about Kobe Bryant's retirement as well, too, and I'll just go ahead and read it or paraphrase it uh, really quickly. He says he he did idolize Kobe. So he studied him and wanted to be like him. He called him. Uh, he said he was all Michael Jordan. But he also went on to say that I've been disappointed this year because you guys, meaning the media, treated him like crap. And I'll just use the word crap. He's a legend, and all I hear is about how bad he's playing, and he's shooting, and it's time for him to hang it up. You guys treated one of our legends like crap, and I didn't really like it. So hopefully now you can start being nice to him now that he's decided to retire after this year. Well, Durant, you know, I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan, but it is what it is, bro. I mean, we all know that he has not been playing well. His team's not doing well. He can't get up and down the floor. He can't make the shots like he can. So, yeah, he and he understands that, too. He knows that as well, too. So, from one fan to another fan, Kevin, this is the right decision. He's doing what he has to do. Well, that's it for today's podcast. I thank everyone for tuning in. Make sure you check us out next Monday, and make sure you go back and download the show as well, too. Until next time, my name is Rodney Fisher for the Late Shift All-NBA Podcast. Go to ntxgame.com where you can check us out there as well. Holla.